0: Welcome to Tech, the show and podcast focusing on the latest trends in supply chain, procurement, and logistic technology. My name is Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and together with my co-host and special guest, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in supply chain, from early stage to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology the people using it to help drive more innovative, agile, and resilient supply chain around the world. This is Chentech. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chantech. I'm your host, Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, And I'm joined today with my co-host, Shandan Laxman. Hi, Shandan, how are you?
1: Good, uh, Max, how are you? Nice to be here with uh, you and Janardhan and you together.
0: Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the show as we continue to host some of the most interesting Chantech founders and discuss the rapid rise of supply chain logistics and procurement technology across the APAC region. As we jump into today's conversation, I just want to make sure, again, that you are aware of our Chentech platform that we recently launched. You can visit it at chentech.net, and you can also find all the previous episodes of the show at chentech.show. So today's we are joined by uh, Janadan Damia, who's the founder and CEO of Trucking. Hi, JD, how are you?
2: I'm doing very well. Pleasure to connect with you, Max and Chandan. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Okay, so w- maybe we'll get started with you and uh, let's start maybe uh, by, um, you know, what brought you uh, to set up and launch tracking. Maybe uh, give us uh, maybe more details about your actual background before you actually uh, launch this company.
2: Sure. So uh, my name is Janardhan Dalmia, popularly or, you know, fondly, I would say, everyone calls me JD from the very young age. I grew up in India and then, once I finished my schooling, I left for states to do my undergrad at Purdue and post my undergraduation. I started my career in investment banking, doing m and capital raising, uh, traditional investment banking uh, with Bank of America and then subsequently with Barclays, uh, initial part of my career in New York and then in Dubai. Um, And, you know, at the end of 2015-16 is when I was mulling over a few ideas and opportunities, and that's how I ventured into trucking. So that's a quick info about my background.
0: So what motivated you to start uh, another company? So uh,
2: when I was doing investment banking, I used to travel a lot in the region here locally, and during one such travels to Saudi Arabia, I was sitting with the CEO of a fairly large public company uh, who spoke about how big of a logistics spend he has in his own company and how he has been dependent on a very traditional old school logistic companies who have not really cared about upgrading the service. But on the other hand, we were learning a lot about on-demand services and aggregation. Uh, from various other industries, such as, you know, ride hailing, uh, primary example, what Airbnb was doing with, you know, uh, sharing of uh, uh, services. Uh, we were also seeing some of the giants uh, who are now, uh, were being just born in India and outside companies like BlackBuck, uh, Porter, Convoys uh, of the world. Uh, and and there was a lot of talk around, you know, logistic as a startup globally, And uh, so when I took that and when I saw what the problem statement was, uh, initially, I thought about how about we go to India and help bring one of the uh, companies from India to to the region. And when I met and understood, uh, you know, one thing was clear that there is obviously a lot of opportunity to do something like this in the region. But at the same time, you need to be present on the ground, knowing the know-how. And the more and more I just, you know, researched, spoke to companies, transporters, truck drivers, the idea kept on getting revalidated and I almost got sucked into it. Uh, And that's how Truckin was born.
0: Shandai? Yeah, Shandai, go ahead, yeah.
1: Yeah, Jonathan, actually, uh, that's the same thing on the same question which uh, uh, Max was asking you about uh, uh, the question on how you went into trekking. So I just wanted to ask you, from a banker to trekking transformation, is there any uh, kind of a trigger that it made you uh, get into that uh, business as a whole?
2: Look, uh, yes, it's a a great question because it's a very two different uh, profile of work uh that you know that i'm doing but it's always in the hindsight that you're able to connect the dots uh and definitely you know uh, cutting my teeth doing corporate finance uh, for a significant number of years uh in the hindsight now when i think do uh, did taught me a lot in terms of even when i was uh looking at getting into the trucking business about how you want to step uh, away from the normal problem statement, but how to become uh, and take a macro view or an eagle's eye view of what potentially can be created and how you can create a valuable uh, enterprise. Um, and I think certainly if I wouldn't have had that kind of experience working in a you know a huge bank uh, like Barclays of Bank of America and dealing with uh, largest of companies on, on several investment banking opportunities, I probably would not have that kind of vision to uh, to bring in into what I'm doing today. So I think in the hindsight, when I, when I look at things and I connect the dots, I, I certainly see that there has been a lot of learning which has kind of subconsciously helped me um, build what I'm trying to build. Uh, but the transition was very... Coincidental, I would say it wasn't ever for me that, oh, I want to leave banking. I want to do something and I want, you know, that was not the trigger for me. I was enjoying what I was doing uh, and keeping the banking hat on when I came across the opportunity, the more I researched and revalidated, it became apparent that there is a big, uh, you know, shift which is going to come. And if I don't do it, someone else will do it. So let's, you know, focus on that and get get your hands dirty. So took a leap of faith and that's how I got into it.
0: So in just a few sentences, uh, J.D., what is trucking uh, do, doing exactly? What, what kind of solution are you providing?
2: So trucking is a techno logistics platform through which we cater to B2B segment, which means uh, if there is any uh, business uh, or corporates who need to move their cargo from point A to point B, Truck in uh, would be their solution. And instead of in the old school way where you would be dependent on heavy asset owners, uh, here we would, we would ensure that you get the most competitive price for the best possible service and a brand that you can trust, uh, which is scaled from, you know, across the geographies. So for the shipper, it's a one stop solution, hopefully. And on the uh, transporter side as well, providing them uh, with backloads, increasing their own asset utilization and increasing their efficiency. So we enable people to focus on their core competency. So if someone is a, a transporter, their core competency is about driving. If someone is a shipper, their core competency about manufacturing or trading or distributing of certain goods. And we take away all the pain points uh, in the middle where, how the logistics should be managed. And that's what our aspiration is.
0: Yes, Shandan.
1: Uh, Jhanathan, what about the landscape uh, that you're looking at? Uh, uh, Basically, uh, when I say landscape and logistics start in your country? So
2: look, when I look at logistics, um, you know, it comprises of four or five different things, which is uh, rail, air, sea, land, uh, warehousing, etc. We play primarily in the land transport segment. As you can imagine, Middle East or for a matter of fact, any large country or small, you need goods to be moved, moved from point A to point B, even if you know it comes at the airport or if it comes at your seaport, you need someone to move the goods around, uh, whether in your raw material form, finished goods, semi-finished distribution, however it needs to be taken care of uh middle east is a very unique landscape where it's almost uh, like united states of middle east uh, where all the small countries are kind of connected with each other and you know dependent on each other for the trade and commerce so clearly there's a huge amount of uh, land movement which happens uh, i guess the best way to think about the significance of the demand in road transport is even if you see around your own room uh, all the things that you see has at some point moved in some sort of a commercial vehicle uh, or not even in one, maybe a couple of times uh, uh, whether in in their raw material form or in their finished good form. So it's heavily dependent, you know, you need a very solid connectivity and, and someone who can take care of this whole uh, supply chain. Uh, and that's how the landscape looks like. The market size is significantly large. Uh, if you look at GCC alone, it's almost uh, you know if you combine all the aspects of logistics, it's almost one twenty-five to one thirty billion dollars. Out of which land transport is approximately twenty twenty-five percent of the market. So when we're talking about twenty-five thirty billion dollars of market, um, it's it's extremely large. And this gets revalidated anywhere else you see in the world. Um, you have large corporate giants like DHLs of the world and TNT and. Aramex, Kuna Shankar, Shanker, et cetera, and still there are like hundreds of transporters who or thousands of transportation companies who provide services and despite that, seventy percent of the market is highly fragmented, uh, which are guys one to ten truck owner guys uh, so so it's a very, very large market play okay.
0: yeah. what, what are some of the biggest benefits that your solution is bringing to your customers? Because again, as you say, there are already a number of free PLs and transportation company in the region. So, what are you? What is trucking? You know, bringing that the traditional free PLs are now providing.
2: See, when you are a uh, when you are a fragmented, highly fragmented market, uh, the standardization of service is extremely hard. Also, when you are highly fragmented, uh, you do not have that scale. Uh, to provide a company uh, an overall level of service that they desire. Almost all the companies only focus on providing great service uh, for the top 20% of your clients, you know. uh, But then there is 80% of SMEs, uh, which is basically, uh, you know, is not very much catered to. So those are all the things that, uh, you know, we take into account, we want to create a significantly large enterprise, which is, uh, which has its presence, you know, all the way from Jordan and Egypt to, to Oman in the South. And, uh, you know, from, from Pakistan and India on the, on the, you know, East to wherever we can go on the West and provide a regional solution to almost all kinds of companies uh providing them a very upgraded level of service and at the same time, removing a lot of pain points for transportation companies and customers. Okay.
1: Uh, where, where is the target market, uh, uh, Janadun, And also the size of the market, uh, where, where, which are the uh, market that you're focusing on, the sectors, I mean? And... Uh, is the implementation is different from other uh, you know uh, uh, service providers? How so, are you integrating that?
2: So, if I I think there was a bit of a network issue, uh, but if I heard your question correct, uh, you are asking what kind of sectors do we serve?
0: Yes, correct. yeah, that's correct. Yeah.
2: Um, so, Truckin has moved everything. From chicken to houses, <laughs> if I were to say that, you know, from the time we have started, we have probably executed over 100,000 know, of truck movements across all kinds of locations, serving all kinds of uh, sectors, providing all kinds of, uh, you know, movement. So which, which revalidates that we are very sector agnostic, product agnostic, uh, vehicle agnostic. Uh, so we, we focus on the service. We focus on maintaining the price for the customers. And at the same time, we keep on building the capabilities to be able to deliver niche uh, movements wherever required. So, uh, long story short, we have moved pretty much everything and, and, and that's something which we are very proud of.
0: So, JD, you mentioned services. Are you, do you consider yourself more a technology company because it looks like you are you trying to aggregate, uh, you know, the offer from the transportation companies, mainly for SMEs? But uh, are you also providing services, the actual logistic and transportation service?
2: Yeah, we absolutely provide the uh, transportation service as well. So that's why we call ourselves as a techno logistic firm, uh, whereby. You know we take something which was done old school way and try to modernize and digitize it uh, where you know and that in turn should create a significant amount of efficiency in the overall uh, chain absolutely
0: but where where do you see yourself evolving because we see a lot we've talked to you know to a number of lock tech companies which would do the same thing in other countries in asia and and mm-hmm. they and many of them have told us that they actually they provide a service just to kind of learn uh you know you know and kind of you know polish their offering but down the road you know five years from now they want to become a technology company and just focus on the technology do you see yourself evolving more as a tech provider or you you know or and eventually drop you know the physical part of your service
2: Look, it's, I mean, we don't have such plans to drop a physical part of our service, but what we think is significantly going to be enhanced is by infusing technology in all the aspects, which means uh, some things which are probably done in a manual way today in the industry could be digitized and can be done in a, in a far more uh, technical, uh, or, or, you know, technological way. Uh, So in terms of, you know, saying that we're going to drop a certain kind of a service is not possible. Uh, Or, I mean, that's not something that we have thought about, right? Consciously. Our idea is that we are building something to cater to our customer. And whether whatever customer needs is basically that is what we're going to build and improvise and bring efficiency. So that's one side of the equation. The second side of our equation is the transportation providers themselves, the guys who actually drive the truck, uh, etc. And we need to significantly help enhance their own ecosystem uh, in terms of how they earn their living and make it much more smoother and, and remove a lot of bumps throughout their life cycle. Now And throughout this, if we are able, while while solving this, if we are providing a service to a customer, uh, I'm not sure what others mean by saying that they will, you know, stop providing the service, but yet become something while they're providing the service today. So I think that's a bit of a confusing state for a lot of companies, maybe. Uh, And I'm not sure what that would mean five years from now, but this is how we approach the business.
0: But but uh, JD as you, as you are you are in a hybrid kind of provider, right? So you 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 provide technology, you provide services. By being a hybrid, you are also competing on on one side with the free PLs, on the other side with a pure tech, you know, lock tech company. So, um, what are you competitors? Would you consider to be competitors in the region in the Middle East for you?
2: See, to start with, competition is everywhere, you know, to someone to say that, okay, I do not have competitors. I think that's a very, um, I I guess, (laughs) I'm not sure what kind of view would that be? Of course, we compete with three PLs as well. And we keep, uh, you know, compete with traditional transporters as well. And we compete with maybe other digital logistic players as well. The idea is that you're competing with them at maybe at different stages of your company's life cycle. So the day one, when we started the business, I don't think we were competing with anybody because, you know, we were nobody. <laughs> you know, people would be like, you know, who are these kids starting the business? You know, they are not a competition. As you start con- to provide a value-add service to the customer and customer starts giving you the business, suddenly you are in the business then. And then whoever was providing the service to them, you become their competition, which was, let's say, uh when we start the traditional brokers the man with the phone uh that was the first competition but as the business grows and you achieve scale and you have that vision of building a very large uh, skilled company the same brokers who were your competitors start becoming your suppliers uh, the so similarly asset owning companies You know, the large ones initially would not see you as a competition, uh, but over a period of time would start seeing you as a competition. And over a period of time, they will become your suppliers. Our idea is not to disrupt someone's business. And that's where the, I guess, the gap is. Because a lot of people, when they think that someone is coming, they think, oh, someone is there to disrupt my business. So obviously everyone will think that we are competing with everyone. And, you know, at some point in our life cycle, we may would have been. But our idea has never been to disrupt the man with the phone, his business, right? His earning livelihood. Our business, our idea, my idea was never to disrupt to transporters business. I have always liked to call ourselves as an enabler. We want to help make that broker person earn his living in a far more organized manner. At the same time, providing companies far more uh, better control, Of the service that they get. Uh, And similarly for the transporters, they might not be able to get the business from maybe the same company, but through us, they would have probably avenues uh, to make their living from various other companies. We are a marketing channel for them. And not only will Mm -hmm. provide them uh, increased asset, asset utilization from point A, but from point B as well, because we would be present at point B and we would ensure that their idle time is kind of reduced. So I guess when you look at competition, it's very, I guess, subjective. And it also depends upon at what life cycle do you see who you're competing with. Uh, So I I think everyone's our competition, but again, what we are trying to build is to hopefully help for everyone in terms of uh, what we build. And lastly, I would like to add on that point that market is very very large. We just spoke about 25, 30 billion dollar market. You know, we spoke about yeah. how there is in the world you have DHL, FedEx, UPS, TNT, and you know, uh, numerous number of significant uh, number of large uh, transporters uh, or logistic companies, and still they have room to play. So, uh, we do not need to disrupt someone else's business or we don't need someone else to fail for us to win. And that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, Janathan, just a question on, uh, uh, you know, I was just looking at uh, your system, which uh, when you look at other companies, like they have a legacy system, you know, ERP systems, which they already have in their system for tracking and other things how do you think you can integrate your uh, uh, you know software into them or is there any provision that you you can integrate your software into them providing their uh, 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 focused uh, uh, you know applications uh, or uh, provisions any anything which you can help them
2: absolutely chandan and this is where you know our focus is when we talk about technology and what we are building with the server service is how to streamline customers logistics department right so there could be a very large customer who has been uh, legacy on sap or some sort of an erp absolutely this is where the tech systems go that how do we understand what their requirement is and you know build and integrate something which will be significantly uh, you know time reduction or cost reduction for them or bring more efficiency. And this is the future and this is what we aspire and working towards. And that's like one of the problem statements, for example.
1: Yeah, as uh, you know, certainly this market which you're in has a high amount of uh, competition. Uh, If you ask me in India, there's no N number of competitors uh, uh, around uh, there for a long time. Even now, in a big way in the sense of what you are saying that tracking uh, even for container like uh, container tracking uh, application there are many uh, applications which connects your uh, you know existing software uh, which uh, can integrate in between so uh, there uh, do you think still uh, there is a lot of uh, ground to play there with your uh, marketing strategy
2: See, that's where I think the differentiation comes between someone who says that they will only be the, you know, a solution technology provider, but not actual service provider. And that's the differentiation when I meant that you, if you are just providing, uh, for example, you know, Gmail as a service or Hotmail as a service, you know, you would obviously have one or the other. You don't need three email accounts for the same name, uh, uh, technically. So, Similarly, unless you provide that technology along with a service, till then you are not significantly value adding in a customer journey. And and at least from my personal point of view, uh, that is significantly important. Uh, Everyone who started in this business and probably maybe still there could be some startups who might be coming in, they, they start with a very easy uh, or not easy. I would say I'm um, with a mindset that I'm going to go and build something and overnight I'm going to be Uber of trucks, right? And this is what something you will hear. And 99% of them, you know, where they land up being, uh, they become something of nothing. <laughs> so unless you are genuinely adding service uh, and because see, again, We are not a ride-hailing company. I mean, as much as there are similarities, there's a lot of differentiations. We are a logistic company. Our customers are corporates. A corporate, which means they they are a huge factory sitting somewhere. Uh, Unlike ride-hailing, where the taxi driver doesn't know where you are as a uh, passenger, and you don't know where the other person is, uh, the driver. Here, you have a factory which is visible. It's not like something I'm showing to a transporter that, oh, wow, look, something new has emerged. They already know that. But because of certain um, lacking in their uh, system, which means they do not have a corporate level of service, they cannot institutionalize it, they cannot professionalize it. So the companies don't like to work with them. So where Mm Truckin is playing is actually taking all this highly fragmented and disorganized supply and enable them to work legitimately with these companies, whereas in the middle institutionalizing and professionalizing this whole supply right and and think that's the value add for the customer
0: yeah yeah clear, clearly JD I think you know what makes you different is that you you do have that you know physical offering uh, will kind of make you different uh, against you know the other technology players. And again, I can I just kind of stop thinking about those, those companies from India, which are super well-founded. Uh, are you worried about those big players who could actually uh, enter with their, you know, we're talking about companies where, you know, would raise hundreds of millions of dollars coming from India. Could they tomorrow come to the Middle East and, and, and give you trouble?
2: Look, again, I look at it from two different points of view. One, it's a very, very large market where it's not a winner-take-all market. They're good. You okay. know, who things that they will be the only one whose only trucks will be moving on the land. I think that's a very, uh, you know, impractical way to look at it. And secondly, I choose to focus more on my customers than on my competition and what can happen because that okay. is beyond my <laughs> control. Uh, who will raise what and how they will enter here and where they will go i have zero control on that what i have my control in is what i am building and what we are focusing as long as we have customers giving us the business requiring our business uh, requiring us to do the business i think we will stay in the business uh, no matter what amount of capital anyone else brings into this so as long as truckin has good customers and it keeps on evolving i'm sure we will have our own journey
1: how 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 many team uh, you have, uh, uh, Jonathan? Actually, as a team, uh, the employee strength as well okay. as the...
2: we are close to approximately hundred team members. and then now, uh, spread between uh, different geographies that we have.
0: Actually, okay. uh, when you started the business, did you actually bootstrap uh, yourself? Uh, you know, because you're coming from the banking world, so uh, or did you have to raise capital right away? What is your current uh, founding stage right now with tracking
2: so we definitely bootstrap in the beginning when when i started but uh very soon we brought in someone you know at the post uh, series a uh, post seed level uh and then subsequently at, as the business grew over the years we have brought in you know selectively uh the partners into the business we did a series a round of fundraising last year uh, we are very Conscious of the amount of capital that we want to raise. We want, we like to run lean and very tight operations. Obviously, 2021, uh, the COVID hangover kind of, uh, helped everyone to tighten up the belt even further. So, uh, you know, we, we always look to bring in selectively great partners who would be part of this, uh, journey in the long run. And, uh, yeah, that's where we are.
0: Are you currently raising another round? As I
2: said, we are always in talks with very much interested parties and like to bring them at different levels of the, you know, business, at different journeys, different uh, life cycle of the company. And we are always in talks with several interested parties at any given okay. point. Yeah,
0: yeah shandan
1: What is the biggest challenge, Janardhan? Uh, and uh, how do you think, uh, you're still burning midnight oil?
2: I think the midnight oil burning I think just keeps on increasing and uh, especially in my case because I guess I started with investment banking which used to be 17-18 hours a day Uh, and I guess uh, so so in the hindsight maybe that prepared me as well uh, for for the very long and tedious hours. Um, The biggest challenge I believe is building the right team. Uh, You know, having people who believe in your vision and being on that train with you, which goes through various bumps and crashes and ups and downs is really hard. You, as a founder, you always hire people believing that they will, they are, they are good. They are great. But I think over a period of time, not every, You also learn to realize that not everyone shares the same kind of passion and drive that, that keeps you going. And when I speak about passion, I think, again, that's a cliche word where people think that passion means uh, being super excited, going to the office, something which you love. It's not about something which you love. It's about something. Um, it's about getting up when you are down. It's about falling and getting it up, right? So there are a lot of days when you are signif- You go through a significant number of lows, um, but yet you have to self-motivate yourself. True. And, and, and that's probably not possible for a lot of other folks who are in the journey with you. Uh, so I think finding the right set of talented people, ensuring that they, they see and understand the long-term vision uh, and, uh, you know, and I really like this quote about, quote, which comes from Jack Ma, uh, where he says that, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, the day after tomorrow. And a lot of people, uh, you know, leave tomorrow evening. <laughs> so, and and that's a very, very fair state of, I think, mind, which a lot of people go through that it It just you know and I always like to say this to my team that everyone wants to go to heaven and no one wants to die, so we all want to be build a very large enterprise <laughs> successful, sustainable, and a great, but to get there, we have to go through the uh brunt of building it, and I think that's I think that's one of the biggest challenge I would say.
0: How do you see a solution evolving over the next five years? What's your roadmap? What's your exit strategy, JD? Five years, 10 years from now?
2: So I think five or 10 years from now, Truckin would be, we would want Truckin to be one of the leading uh, movers of goods in the region and beyond. Uh, which means uh, where we have to look at integrated logistics solutioning, not only land transport, but there could be opportunities in other places potentially. Could that be um, absolutely penetrating further into the markets that we operate, which is currently Saudi, UAE, Pakistan, servicing the broader region, and and very soon be able to be present beyond these countries as well. So in the next five to seven years, I would see truckin as a very large logistic company, technologistic company providing services to, you know, significant number of corporates, uh, moving significant volume of goods across the region and beyond.
0: Okay. You. Yeah, uh, do you have
1: any advice uh, on a new uh, founder or uh, could you give us some uh, tips or how do you think, uh, you you'll be able to give us some guidance on from your angle actually i think
2: that if i were to just i mean rather than advise i would say some of the takeaways from my own experience i'm not sure if i'm the right person to give them the advice uh, but i think you know getting it started not initially from the founder perspective when you're building something not mulling over uh, you know perfecting the product before launching, because as a, I mean, I was the first time founder and I definitely made that mistake that I spent a lot of time that oh, everything has to work perfectly well, perfectly well before I launch, And that delayed the, uh, the actually start of the business now. And once you start, you get slapped on your face and you realize, Oh shit. And then you go and read and then you understand what was the importance of MVP, why there is a wisdom on MVP. I think that is important. Second, as a founder, I would also think that are you ready for the real that drives? I mean, it's hard to say from the beginning that are you going to be driven? You might be driven for the next three months. Would you be driven for the next five years? That's the question. Uh, you know, Startups are very much like driving a, a car in the dark with only 100 meters of light. Uh, but when you drive the car, you believe that the road will unfold. But if you were to start and if you see that there is no road or there's a 10,000 kilometer journey, you probably will never start. So you have to keep on going. Uh, and if you have to have that grit, which means when you start something, you, it should be that business should be your only option. If you always have in your back of mind that, okay, if this fails and I have this backup and I will go and do this or I'll do that, most certainly. It will not work because no business is a walk in the park or a Disneyland. There will be thousands of challenges which will come, and uh, it's at that point in time what keeps you going. Some to some people it's the necessity, and some people is the drive. But if anyone has a very solid backup option, then you pretty much will be willing to get off that roller coaster and you know take a nice comfortable seat somewhere else. And I think for me. I would be very, uh, you know, conscious about that. In terms of what, why are you doing this? Is it just because there are a lot of people you will come across that? Oh, I want to leave my job and I want to do something, and that's the reason why I'm doing. It. Mm. I think that I'm not sure if whether that is uh, the right way to approach. It should yeah. be. It should not be because I don't like one thing. That's why I'm trying to do the other thing. It should be an opportunity which you believe in, which you're ready to roll up your sleeves. Uh, Obviously, you know, the right kind of family support system definitely helps as well uh, because it does take a toll on all kinds of things, uh, personal life. So to say there could be a personal balanced life while you are building a business, I think that is also probably not possible. Uh, And that's why where you need the right support system to ensure that, uh, you know, you are ready to go through that. So I would just say, you know, don't think too much about you know perfecting the product. Rather get into the business because once you get into the business, you would learn a lot more that what your consumers want rather than what you want to sell. So significant importance of MVP. Be very careful of you know the team members. Do you you choose? Uh, I think that's probably the most important part of any build-up. You know teams build great businesses. Team build uh, breaks you know, great businesses. Uh, Tough times will always come no matter what. Uh, Everyone wants to be an overnight success, but every overnight success takes probably years and years of hard work. Um, So just, you know, those (laughs) snippets I would
0: say. All good advice, uh, JD. Okay, let me finish up with uh, some quick fire questions for you. Uh, And you can just pick your your answer. Uh, Cats or dogs? Sorry? Cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. Window or aisle? Window. Your favorite action movie?
2: I, don't, I wouldn't know if you would call it action movie, but Iron Man is something which I really like. I mean,
0: okay. What's your favorite sandwich?
2: A panini uh, in New York. Vegetarian. Okay.
0: <laughs> What's your most used app on your phone? Outlook. What's your, what's, favorite, <laughs> okay, what's your favorite tool to build your company right now? Favorite tool to? To build your favorite software tool to actually build your company. Zoom. Uh, describe the rest of your life in five words. Maximum five words. It could be free.
2: This one is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Looking back, I mean, I, it has to be a bit more than five words. I wouldn't be able to articulate in five <laughs> words. Essentially what I mean to say, and I think maybe later on I can put it in five words, is I want to look back and and be fulfilled about building something which has tremendously transformed lives of all our stakeholders, whether it's shareholders, truck drivers, transporters, or our employees, uh so I'm I'm not sure. I'm not that smart enough to articulate in five words, but if you can give me those five words, I would use that as well in the future. <laughs>
0: That would be good enough all right thank we'll you build very a much fulfilled uh,
2: we'll and happy life maybe <laughs>
0: okay that's yeah that's better okay that's a good way to summarize the thing thank you very much uh, Janadan, for uh, you know for joining us today for this quick interview uh, at chantec uh, i want to thank uh, everybody for listening again uh, our guest today was janardan damia uh, with the ceo and founder of tracking thank you guys and we'll see you next time thank
1: you thank you thank you
0: thank you Okay, all good. Thanks, Vijay. Thank you, guys. Hopefully, that was of some value. Uh, it was good. It, it was interesting.
1: It is. It is. Act- uh, I just wanted to ask you one more uh, question. Actually, it's off a bit. Do you still believe in uh, rapid scale-up or scale-up with overheads in mind?
2: No, look, I don't believe in rapid